0: Acts chapter 13 please just trying to find it myself here that's the one before 14 isn't it bless the Lord let your eye run down just um, the verse 38 please and 39 be it known unto you therefore men and brethren that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins and by him All that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Father, take your word, we pray, your own inspired, inerrant and divine word and inscribe it upon our hearts and minds. Bless your people and build them up in their faith. We pray, Lord, if there's those who have come in tonight who are not saved, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts, Lord, and show them their, their need of salvation, but show them the Christ of glory, the Lamb of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When we say the title of this is This Man, simply, just this man, we take it from verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man... Is preached unto you forgiveness of sins. Through this man, through Christ alone is the forgiveness of sins. It's there, black and white, before you in the Word of God. Through this man only who is preached is the forgiveness of sins. Through this man you go and find not only forgiveness of sins, but in this man alone is eternal salvation. And nowhere else, and in none else, and nothing else. You see, when we say this man. There are many, in fact, there are some who I know who have turned uh, their minds away from the deity of Christ. And now they are saying that Jesus was just a man. There are even charismatic churches doing it now. Jesus was just a man filled with the Spirit of God. I want to say tonight that whether it be uh, charismatic or whoever else that says that Jesus was just a man, and nothing else, then if he's just a man, you and I are still in our sin, and you and I are still lost. When we say this man, it's because we're looking at the man, the visible expression of the invisible God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. God's Word tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then in John chapter 1 and verse 14, he says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we find that men think that Jesus was either a man filled with the Spirit, or he was even just a prophet. For example, in uh, Judaism, they deny Christ, deny the deity of Christ. In Islam, they deny the deity of Christ. They say Isa, who is uh, their version of Jesus, is not the scriptural version of Jesus, brothers and sisters. If he is not God, they say he did not die on the cross, which means if he didn't die, there's no resurrection of his body, no bodily resurrection. They say he was not uh, God and he was at most a prophet. And then, of course, we have people like the Unitarians who deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They say that he wasn't God. He is a word of God. But the difference is Jesus is the eternal word. He is the word of God. And he is the word made flesh. Now the word word is the word logos. And you and I really could get the idea of logos from think of if you look at a logo of a company, the big yellow arches, the big M, we know what that is. We know what it stands for. The white tick, or whatever colour the tick may be, I think it's a white tick. We know the company, and everything that that stands for is everything the company is. And of course, the Apostle Paul tells us in uh, the Book of Colossians, please, in chapter one, verse fifteen. The Apostle tells us of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's eye run down to verse thirteen who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. That's the exousia of darkness, the the right, the power, the the privilege, the authority of darkness over us. Christ delivers us from that authority. How can he deliver us from from that authority if he be not God? And how can he deliver us from that authority if he's not the Son of God? Notice here, he says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, or the Son of his love, this is the Father through the Son, in whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Notice even the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus. We find forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus alone. We're singing there, I enter the Holy of Holies, I enter by the blood of the Lamb. And we're taking that from the Old Testament type when the high priest went in behind the curtain with the blood of the Lamb. And so now that curtain, even as Glenn had prayed it without knowing we were going to sing it, and that curtain was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, that those of us now who are in Christ can Enter into the holy place. Enter into God's presence, whether you be in this room tonight or somewhere else or anywhere else in the world. Jesus said in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well, there come a time and now is when the true worshipers, notice true worshipers, there's false worshipers, you see, The true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. He says you won't go to Jerusalem to worship anymore at a temple, and neither will you go up into the hillsides here, into the groves and the little idols which you have placed. He says the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit, in spirit and in truth. Notice what it says here in Colossians chapter 1, and verse 15. Of the Lord Jesus Christ... Who is the image of the invisible God? Now, you underline that word image and put the English translation, if you want, for the word under that image is, well, it's actually Greek as ikon, where we get the word icon from. You ever hear of iconography where they have on the back of a coin the queen's head? Or when Jesus was asked about the coins, he says, Do you pay tax? And Jesus said, Well, whose image and superscription is on the coin? And they look at it, and there's the head of Caesar. That is iconography. Everything that that portrait is, that is engraved and carved into that coin. It stood for Caesar. Everything that coin was stood for Caesar. And so he says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. So Jesus is the invisible image of the invisible God. That means he is the iconography of the invisible God, the great eternal spirit. God has manifest and revealed to us in the Scriptures as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's also revealed to us as what else? As a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. He's manifest in many forms. And notice here, Jesus is the highest. That is the Son coming in flesh. He is the highest revelation of God to man. And you're not going to get any higher revelation than this. And we enter through the Holy of Holies, through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, After John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Notice this. He says, who is the image? He is the icon of the invisible God. You see, Jesus came and God showed himself in that beautiful man, that wonderful person of Jesus of Nazareth. He showed himself and hung and bled and died on a cross. And if he be not God, friend, then you and I are still in our sin and we are lost for all eternity. But he is God. He is almighty. He is almightiness clothed in humanity. Son of God and son of man. He is very God of very God. And not only is he very God and very God, he is also human, yet divine. He is a very man. He took on him the seed of Abraham, coming from the very root of Jesse, through the line of David, and now we find Christ hanging on the cross. So we have to ask ourselves, how would you ever think of getting saved outside of Christ? How does a man or a woman ever think that they can get saved outside of God's Son and what he's done? Shed his blood, went to the tomb and resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, is glorified at the right hand of the majesty of on high. How do we ever think, how does anyone ever believe that they can be saved outside of what Christ has done and who Christ is? And whether you believe he's a prophet or whether you think he's an illegitimate son or whether you think he's a good man, a some spiritual guru, means little to nothing because one must believe with all their heart that he is the son of God and that he gave his life's blood on Calvary's tree to redeem you. Notice what it says in verse 23 of Acts chapter 13, verse 23. says of David's seed, Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior. The word Savior is in a capital S, speaking of a person. Raised unto you and I, a Savior, a person. And he says who the person is, a Savior, Jesus. Do you know what Jesus' name means? Jehovah saves, or Yah saves. Yah, the Savior. So he has raised unto Israel a saviour. Who is the saviour? Jesus. Yah, who saves? Yahweh, or Jehovah, the God of Israel. So when we look at this tonight, we find that we're speaking of this man. But 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, And without controversy great is the mystery of godliness listen god was manifest in the flesh god was manifest in the flesh i for the life of me don't know how no, don't know how people get past these things he was manifest in the flesh he was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world, and he's received up into glory. Friend, who was? God was manifest. The Word that was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, says John. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that the Word is, he is the embodiment of of the mind and the will, the word of the Father. And he reveals it through the medium of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something for you to take note of. When in the Old Testament the word came to the prophets, the prophet was the body through which he spoke unto Israel. Or the word became known as the mediator between God and man. He came as Theophany, that angelic appearance, pre bethlehem appearance of Jesus. And here he, we find that, uh, that the Lord Jesus not only appeared uh, to certain people, to Abraham, for example, to Joshua as another one. He appeared, he appeared unto them as the Theophany, or if you want, the angel. He's not an angel, the created being, but he's the eternal. It's called the angel of the Lord. And notice this, he, the word becomes what's known as the mediator in the Old Testament. The Logos was a mediator between God and man. The word coming to man, the word coming upon man, they give unto the people. And notice this, after he becomes flesh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, Paul says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man. Notice, there he is, the man, Christ Jesus. Paul, what are you saying? He's saying there's one God. There's not two gods, ten gods, many gods, and there's not many mediators either. There's one mediator. Mary's not a mediator, friend. Do you hear me? Mary isn't a mediator. The saints aren't mediators. Your loved ones aren't watching over you and being mediators who have went on before you. They are not mediators. There's one mediator between God and man: The man. Who is he? The Word who is made flesh. He's always been the mediator, the Word coming to man. And now he embodies himself and veils himself in humanity. Very man of very man. So when I say, This man, this man is not just a prophet. He is a prophet, but not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a guru. He's more than all of those things. He's more than a spiritual leader. This man was and is almightiness clothed in humanity. Now, he went to the cross and he died for you. He allowed sinful men to pierce his hands and his feet for you. He allowed them to whip him at the whipping post with the Roman flagellum. He allowed them to beat him, to batter him, to bruise him. This one who is almighty God, the word come down made flesh, is now nailed to the cross that you and I might be redeemed, forgiven of your sins. Friend, ask yourself, with what will you bring to God that you might be forgiven? Do you honestly think Almighty God is going to say, there's my son, just forget about what he's done. Come on you in with your good works. Come you in with your churchy religion. Or come you in with your sin and all thinking you're all right the way you are. Do you think almightiness, do you think our Father in heaven is going to turn around and say to someone who brings the works of their hands and says, I've been a good person. I've been a helpful person. I've been a great person in society. I've done charity all my life you think he's going to say forget about my son mine only beloved and whom I'm well pleased the one whom I sent to bleed and die for you on Calvary's tree do you honestly think the father's going to say well that doesn't matter come on in friend you'll be turned away because he will say I gave him for you I gave him for you and you rejected him you won't be coming in Depart from ye, ye workers of iniquity, he will say. I never knew you. God knows everyone. Well, how can God say then, I never knew you? This is why he says, I never knew you. It means I never knew you in an intimate fashion, (laughs) I never knew you in an intimate way, I never knew you in the spirit. I never knew you in communion, and I never knew you in fellowship. I never knew you at the foot of the cross. I never knew you. You were still separated from me by your sin, and I never knew you. Yet my son paid your debt, and you rejected him. That's why God will say, I never knew you. Oh, this man. Song of Solomon. Chapter 5. In verse 10, my memory serves me right, he calls him, he says, he is the chiefest among 10,000. Jesus is the chiefest among 10,000. Now, that doesn't mean to say, gather 10,000 out of all time in history, and he's just one among 10,000. No, friend, this is the way it reads in the original text. Bring 10,000 kings. And he is the chiefest, the king of kings. Bring another 10,000, another 10. Bring the priests, bring them all. Bring the prophets, bring them all. 10,000 after 10,000 after 10,000 after 10,000. Bring the preachers, bring Ken Davidson, bring all the other preachers, bring the preachers of old. Bring the George Jeffreys and bring even the Whitfields and the Spurgeons, bring them all. And sound them before him. He is the chiefest among 10,000. He's the chiefest among every single one of them. The Father looks at him, he says, He is the chiefest among everyone. This man is my beloved son. Notice, on the cross, this man is preached, this man Christ Jesus. He dies on the cross in the centurion. When he gives up the ghost, Jesus gives up the ghost, says in Mark 15 and verse 39. Looking at him on the cross, he says, Truly this man truly this man was the son of God watching him on Calvary's tree the old centurion could say truly this man was the son of God not a son God only has one unique son This man was the Son of God. Luke chapter 23 and verse 47. The thieves, one on one side, one on the other, reeling at him. And one turns to him in repentance as it were. Lord, remember thy me when I comest into thy kingdom. We know the story. And one of them says this. Certainly this man was a righteous man. Certainly this was a righteous man. They crucified the innocent one that we, the guilty ones, could go free. Pilate said in Luke 23 and verse 4, when he brings Jesus out to the Jewish crowd that day, Behold the man. Behold the man. Sounds nice, doesn't it? told you this before but maybe some haven't heard it. The word behold in this case means this. It gives the idea of a startling surprise. A great exclamation is made. So Pilate takes the Lord Jesus out. His face has been battered and bruised and his beard has been pulled out. He's marred more than any man and he comes out with blood streaming from him. Streaming from his head, streaming from his face, streaming from his body, bruised all over, racked and tired from a night of manhandling and beating. And he brings them out to that Gabbath of the judgment seat. And as he brings them right out, there's Christ beside him. And he says, Behold the man! That's the way it reads. Behold him! Behold the man! Means you look at him. Even Pilate is saying to them, has he not had enough? Look at him! say said to you, has he not had enough for you? Did he not do enough for you? Pilate says, behold the man They bade for his death, crucify him, crucify him. Luke 23 and verse 41, he says again, Pilate says again, but this man, this man, Jesus, this man we have spoken of, this man who is the Son of God, this man who is deity clothed in humanity, this man battered and bruised and beaten, this man who is beaten to a pulp, He says, this man hath done nothing amiss. He's done nothing. He's innocent. Crucify him. Crucify him. Away with him see that's what the word's saying today we don't want him we don't want him i seen a picture of a man online and he was at an LGBT rally standing with a big placard and it says if Jesus comes back we'll kill him again no you won't He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming back as the ruler and the commander and the judge of all the earth. Lord Jesus, John 14 and 30, he says, the prince of this world cometh. I love this. I love this saying speaks of his perfection it just speaks of his holiness speaks of his righteousness just speaks of his beauty he says the prince or the devil the prince of this world cometh." he says and hath nothing in me he says the devil can point no finger at me the devil's nothing in me friend I wonder what the devil has on you I can tell you, see when you come to Christ, see when you're under the blood, see when you're forgiven through this man, I can tell you something. The devil will come and he will find plenty. Yes, we'll make our mistakes. We're not perfect. We'll make our mistakes and he may go to your heavenly father and say, oh, you see him? you see that Ken with someone. Do you see what he's like? Look at what he's doing. Look what he's like, you know, and he's feeling you. Ah, sure, he, he, he's rubbish. And, and my heavenly Father will look at me. And the beautiful work of the Son of God, he'll stand before me as my great advocate and glory. And the Father sees me through the medium who is the Word of God. And the Father will look at me and all my blemishes. And he says, devil, what sin? I see none. But if you're not in Christ, friend, if you're not saved, I wonder what he sees. The officers and the chief priests reported back to the Lord Jesus. Have you turned to John chapter 7 for me? John chapter 7. This is a wonderful portion of Scripture. John 7, let your eye run down. And this was the Feast of the Tabernacles. And this was the last day. It was called the Great Day of the Feast. It was the very last day. I'll tell you why. Because they used to come down to the sacrifice at the altar. And they carried, uh, I'm told, golden pots. The priests would have carried them down. And it was known as a solemn assembly. So at this point, remember... They weren't Pentecostal; they were more solemn, you know, a bit quieter on it. Maybe Han's straight down. I don't know. They had carried out the pots of water down to where the sacrifice had been made, and there was the altar, and there was the blood all over. I'm told there was a drainage system there, and they had come over and they had stood at the temple, all very solemn. And they poured out the water over the blood. And down from the altar, washed the water and the blood. Isn't that fantastic? There the Christ's side, the Roman soldier pierced it, and forthwith there came out the water and the blood. And when they poured it out, they would have lifted the shofars. They'd have blew them, and they'd have blew them, and the people would have erupted in the praise. They would have erupted in the ecstatic praise before God. So now, in verse thirty-seven, in that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, "If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink." He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. What are you saying here, Ken? I'll tell you what I'm saying. They praised and they cheered at the pouring out of the blood and the water. Our sins have been atoned for. Our sins are... Covered by the blood. And I'll tell you, friend, when Jesus ascended, he poured out the water of his Spirit upon his church. And, friend, I tell you, he poured out his blood in Calvary. And you and I, who are in Christ, we are under the blood. We're not just atoned for. Our our sins are washed away. We're spotlessly clean and filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And Jesus is saying this. The people are ecstatic. The people are alive that day. But then it calms down. They all go home. And they go home in their own. And they go home to their own homes. Because they're in tabernacles and booths that remind them of their time in the wilderness. And they'll go home. And when they go home, they go home to their problems. They go home to their worries. They go home to their fears, their stresses, their anxieties. They go home with their sins still on them. They go home like that. And friend, you know what? You might be here tonight and you go home like that. And you can go home like that. But If you come to Christ tonight, you can go home forgiven, washed, cleansed, covered, filled with the Spirit, not on your own. Jesus says, you'll go home and your problems are still your own. You'll face them on your own. You'll fight them on your own. You'll be with them on your own. He says, but if any man come to me... <laughs> He says, I'll fill you with the Spirit and I'll go home with you. I'll go home with you. Oh, yes, you'll have your trials and your troubles and your tribulations, he says, but I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll be with you. Friend, what a way to go home tonight. What a way to go home tonight knowing that Christ is in you and that Christ is with you, that your sins are forgiven. And when you close your door and maybe you live on your own and you go up the stairs at night and it's very lonely and you sit there and you say, well, what now? Jesus says, I'm still with you, daughter. (laughs) I'm still here, son. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The officers, in John chapter 7 and verse 46, the officers come back to the, the temple priests and the officers are meant to arrest Jesus. They're sent out, get this man, bring him back. We want to get rid of him. And they go out. And they're sitting listening to everything Jesus is saying, seeing him crying, Any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. They're seeing the miracles happening. They're hearing all of the wonderful stories that he's telling. They're hearing of the parables and all the things that Christ is talking about that are hidden in God, the mysteries of God. And so when they come back, I'm paraphrasing for time's sake, they say, Where is he? And this is what they say. The officer said, Never man, speak like this man. I can tell you something, friend, there's no voice like the voice of Jesus. You see when you're sitting and you get bad news and you hear his still small voice saying, I'm with you. Do you see if you were going go to close your eyes in death, you're going to hear him say, I'm still with you. There's no man speaks like this man. We might say, what about the Psalms of David? Were they not beautiful? Absolutely. Under the anointing and inspiration of the Spirit, absolutely. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Absolutely, yes. I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is my own that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou shouldest think upon him? Yes, all of that is beautiful. They heard the tone the tone of his voice. What about Elijah, the fiery preacher, going into Ahab in, the, in Samaria, that northern kingdom, and the king of it? And he says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall neither be we nor Jew this day until my word. Notice. And we go, wow, what about fiery, a fieriness like Elijah? What about a man speaking like him? Absolutely. Brilliant. Wonderful. What about Isaiah, the great orator? He's known as the orator of the prophets. In the year of the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He says, And above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings, and with twain he covered his face. And with twain he covers his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cries unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah is seeing this and writing it. Who did he see? Well, we're told by John, he's seen the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) The Logos, the Word on the throne. this, This wonderful one. What about Isaiah's prophecies and his eloquence? What about the tearful weeping of the prophet Jeremiah? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Or when Jeremiah weeps over Jerusalem again in Jeremiah 9 and 1, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, Ken, what about him? The weeping prophet was magnificent, wasn't he? Absolutely he was. Under that anointing of the Spirit, absolutely. What about Solomon, writing all the proverbs, the wisdom that he brought? What about Ezekiel and all his marvelous mysteries and his visions? What about Daniel and the interpretation of all the dreams and the strange beasts and creatures? You say, surely, if he speaks all of this, there must be somebody better than Jesus. Friend, I want to tell you, never man, never speak like this man. I'll tell you what he said. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? On the cross, when He died for you. One of the greatest words Jesus ever said. Sure, how could it ever be no, be one? But I'll tell you, it must be this. If there's any. It is finished. You see, friend, all the prophets, all the prophets spoke of him. Acts chapter 10 and verse 43 says, To him, to this man, give all the prophets witness, listen, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Notice all about this man. It's all about Christ. And the prophets, all down through the years, right the whole way through, they keep on pointing, they keep on pointing. Jesus, he's coming, Messiah, the Christ of God, the Lamb, the Redeemer of Israel, the Savior of the whosoever will. Jesus is coming, he's coming, get ready, get ready, he's coming. They point, they point, the whole way down through time. You see, they all speak eloquently and wonderfully about him, but Jesus doesn't come and say, I'm coming. Jesus turns up and says, I am come. I'm here. So never man speak like this man. The chief priest wanted to know, why did you not rest him? Said, we couldn't. Even just the way he spoke was enough for us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 get into verse 2. You ready? God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto our fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. God spoke through the medium of the Word the fathers by the prophets and now the hebrew writer says now the word has become flesh the son of god and he speaks directly unto us jesus in john 12 and verse 46 says i am come A light into the world that whosoever believeth on me, he said, notice, please get the grips with this. Jesus says, Whosoever believeth in me, on him, should not abide in darkness. It's all about him. John chapter 10 and verse 10, he says, I am come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. Listen to what they said in John 11 and verse 47 the chief priests and the council said, what do we? Jesus was, well, he was some, someone who, they just couldn't pin this man down. What, what is it about this man? What is it about him? Listen to what they say, John 11, verse 47. What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. You see, for he brought life into death, and he brought light into darkness. For this man doeth many miracles. John twenty-one and verse twenty-five. Listen to what he says. John chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-five. And there are also many other things which Jesus did; the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. So what we have and recorded in our in the Bible Jesus did vastly so much more This man did vastly so much more Here's what I've written down Because that rejoiced my heart unwritten and unrecorded miracles and other things we know nothing about one must wonder What he has done for you. What he has kept from you and protected you from that you know nothing about. God has protected you and you didn't even know it. God has kept you from danger seen and unseen. You didn't even know it. There's things that he's done here we don't even know it. For in this, Lord Jesus Christ died for us. I'm winding this up. Thank you for your attention. Christopher Ness, an old Puritan writer. I love this. Listen to what he said. The precious Lamb of God gave up his golden fleece for us. died for us. The precious Lamb of God gave up his golden fleece for us. Hebrews 10 and 12 says, But this man, after he had suffered, pardon me, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever. Would you say forever? Forever. Would you let the devil hear it? Forever. Forever. Thank you. Who said that big forever? Was that you, Ryan? Who was it, Daniel? No. (laughs) Behind. Well done. Let's do it again. Forever. You know why? Because there are people who keep going through the rituals and they keep looking for more sacrifice. This man, one sacrifice forever. Forever. I wish they were all responsive they got. (laughs) Brilliant. Friend, Christ died for our sins. According to 1 Corinthians 15 and 3. Romans 5 and 6. Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5 and 8. Christ died for us. I love the words Queen Elizabeth I prayed. And she prayed this. O look upon the wounds in thine hands and forget not the work of thy hands. O look upon the wounds of thine hands and forget not the work of thine hands. So in closing Acts 13 and 38, be it known unto you, therefore men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins by him. I want you to get this. It's all about Jesus. It's all in Christ. It's all of, the whole lot is about him, centered in him. We sang out this morning. Center of glory, the I see, wonderful man of Calvary. He's the center cross, as it were, on Calvary. He's the center of glory. And brothers and sisters, let's make him the center of CET, the center of the preaching of the word. The center of our lives, the center of our homes, the center of our marriages, the center in our families. He must be the center. Notice that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, verse 39, by him, all that believe are justified. If you want to be want to know what justified means, it simply means that when you come to Christ, you are rendered righteous, the Father declares you not guilty. You're not guilty when you're under the blood, when you're forgiven. And you're justified from a few of the things. The power of the blood, has it just got the power to justify you from one or two sins or a little bit of your past? You're justified from all things. Imagine that. Your whole life declared not guilty. From which you could not be justified. By the law of Moses. And John tells us the law came by Moses. But grace, hallelujah. And truth came by Jesus Christ. The law says, you're a sinner. You've broken God's law. You've broken God's law. You've broken God's law. You've broken God's law. I shall not kill. I didn't kill anybody. No, but if you've hated your brother in your heart... God amplifies it and says, you're a, you're a murderer. I, I haven't committed adultery. Well, maybe not literally, but it says here that if you have lust in your heart towards someone else, you're an adulterer or an adulteress. Jesus amplified the commandments. He didn't do away with them. I haven't stolen. Well, here it says here that if you have been working and being paid for so many hours work, and you've sat down during it for 10 minutes, you've just stolen time. And by the way, you steal your breath every time you breathe in. You steal the breath of God. Because you're not praising Him and serving Him with it. So, on those charges alone, let alone the rest of them, you would be called a murderer, an adulterous thief. Guilty as charged. That's the law. You're guilty. You're guilty. Grace means we receive that which we do not deserve. Brings out the truth of who God is. He says, I love you. You know what happens? The guilty say, forgive me. You alone can save through this man. Receive the forgiveness of sins. And he takes your sin. And he gives you his righteousness. You're justified before your father, just as if you had never sinned. He declares, declares, you are not guilty because you're under the blood of my son. Simple as that. Luke 15 and 2. This is a wonderful little line. Imagine this at the tent one of the nights, I can't remember which night it was, but one of the nights, the old Pharisees saying it in a derogatory manner to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what they say. They see him going and speaking to people that they would have nothing to do with, you know, we are proper church people. Hello? Come on. Isn't that true? Well, we're proper. We're nice people. We're good people. We're church. Watch me glide when I walk. <laughs> Isn't that right? Jesus got in where the sinners were, where the no-gooders were. He brought them the word, and they turned turned to him. And the old Pharisees, they hated every moment of it. And listen to what they say. And I love it. Even though they said it in a derogatory manner, I love it. This man receiveth sinners. Praise God he did. Praise God he still does. This man, this man who hung on the tree, this man is Almighty God. This man who receiveth sinners even to this very moment, (laughs) praise his holy name. And he'll receive you if you come to him in repentance and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin and I need you to forgive me. Please forgive me. Wash me in the blood. And friend, you're going to find you'll leave here victorious in Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless his word to all of our hearts tonight.